0: Make home your favorite new restaurant this spring with Omaha Steaks delivered straight to your door. Have you ever wondered what makes Omaha Steaks so good? It's the aging process. Omaha Steaks are aged at least 21 days. That's where the magic happens. Try these mouth-watering steaks in the Butcher's Best Sellers package. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the promo code VOICES into the search bar, and save over 50% and secure exclusive pricing. Included in the Butcher's Best Sellers package are four iconic fork-tender Butcher's cut filet mignons, four ultra-juicy burgers, four savory pork chops, four kielbasa sausages, four rich and decadent caramel apple tartlets. Yum, I love those. And so much more. In addition to getting more than 50% off, you'll also get four more chicken breasts and four more of those delicious burgers for free. All you have to do is visit omahasteaks.com and type voices in the search bar to order the Butcher's Best Sellers package today. Save over 50% plus get four free chicken breasts and Four Burgers, all from the company that's been bringing people together for over 100 years. That's omahasteaks.com and type Voices in the search bar. Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today my returning guest is friend and writer Amanda Sowards. The Start Me Up podcast is also part of the Demcast Network, and I am an independent podcaster supported by listeners. My show is Women Run, and I'm the woman. It's patrons who keep this show going, and I'm really grateful for all of your support. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a look at the About page on patreon.com slash startmeup. You'll see that most of the time I have conversations about politics, although occasionally I do interview actors because I used to be one, and I love talking to them about their craft. So I'm not going to go into all the tiers, but just like I said, go to patreon.com. You can check out the different tiers that I offer, but here's what I do. I do two free shows on Mondays and Wednesdays, and then after those free shows, I do What's Up With Me, Kimberly Johnson. Those shows are basically the $5 tier. And then I also offer occasionally I do a at least once a month patrons only show with a guest. And then I also offer ad-free, intro-free. Just a little intro, not the longer one. So you can sign up for any dollar amount and then you can upgrade later if you want. But I just want to make you all aware that you can go to patreon.com slash startmeup and find out all the information. You can also make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I always include my email and you can use that with PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes app or the Apple Podcast Store become a subscriber. It's free. And while you're there, please give me a rating and a review would be awesome. I would really appreciate it. Thank you for everyone who's done it. Now please enjoy my conversation with Amanda Sowards. Welcome back to the show, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I just, uh, I'm, not, I'm kind of champing at the bit because I feel like we're sort of at the end. It's always <laughs> know. getting harder. You know,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? Like, It's like it reminds me of when you're in the car and you have to pee really bad. And then like the closer you get to a toilet, the more you have to pee you know you're like i'm going to pee my pants and <laughs> it's like <laughs> exactly
1: That's exactly what it's like yeah it's like it's the worst it's like it's almost like the like right before christmas is like oh, the worst part it's almost here um but it you know it's like i'm getting like i'm getting i'm getting cabin fever now yes. but in a weird way like i never want to leave the cabin like now <laughs> like i like i can i can hardly leave my house it's I like totally bizarre. get it
0: I told Well, you know what? I was going to talk about something first, but we're on this. So let's just let's just stay with this. Okay. Um, yeah, it's really weird because the, I know that with uh, first of all, the variant scares me because I'm not sure exactly what that means. You know, if like whatever vaccine you get, I, I think the Johnson and Johnson one has more protection, I think, against the variants because it's, it's, it it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't...
1: It, no, not really. Here's the thing. All three of the vaccines work against the variant. Um, oh, okay. they've only ever tested the Johnson and Johnson against the variant. Oh, I see. This is one of the reasons why I'm getting really frustrated with quote science reporters. Yeah. Because they're not stating, they're just science reporters. Yeah. A lot of them aren't scientists. Like right. I read a big article in Washington Post. All the vaccines are not created equal. And here's why you should get the mRNA. I did get the mRNA um but what's mrna to, that's the the two that's major Maj, the majority okay, and the Pfizer. It. oh i see Pfizer. what you mean okay as opposed to the johnson and johnson which is a slightly different kind of a vaccine still very effective mm-hmm. again i think we talked about this the last time when you get a flu shot every year the best flu shot you've ever gotten that offers the absolute most protection is probably about 60 percent effective
0: Oh, really? Interesting. Yes.
1: The Johnson & Johnson has proven to be at least 75% effective. Now, that's just standing on its own. They have never compared all three vaccines in a head-to-head competition. Hmm. So to say this vaccine is better than that vaccine, the one thing that's true is nobody who's gotten vaccinated by any of the three vaccines that are currently available here has ever they have not once they're fully vaccinated and protected mm-hmm. no one's gone into the hospital no one has died right this is absolutely critical so yeah you could still get sick with any of the three vaccines mm-hmm. but you're not going to be on a respirator and that's true of the variants too mm-hmm. that's why it's and i we also talked about this variants happen when virus is allowed to pass unchecked from person to mm-hmm. person to person so if we can stop that we can stop the variants dead in their tracks Yeah, and they're all effective against the variants, but nobody's really, the only vaccine that's been tested head to head against the variants is the Johnson and Johnson. Hmm. So that's why there's statistics on the Johnson and Johnson and not on the two MRNA.
0: So then can you get, okay. Okay. First I'm going to say my fears. And then I'll ask you. So my fear is this, that like I've heard that people who have gotten COVID mild, Covid, who haven't gone to the doctor or have been asymptomatic, not doctor hospital, um, or or they're asymptomatic, they've still gotten lung damage. So mm-hmm. that's one fear, but I and I also heard I read about the Johnson and Johnson that it said like I can't remember the time frame, but it was like after a certain period of time, maybe it's a week, it's seventy five percent, then it jumps to eighty, and then in a month and a half, you're ninety percent protected I think against like what you're just talking about like really severe sickness Mm -hmm. having to go to the hospital so um, but I feel like I mean that that's what makes me nervous is that either way like okay so what if, you know, what if I get the variant and even though I don't have to go or whatever, I get sick anyway and I don't have to go to the hospital, but then I'm still maybe going to experience lung damage. And then, you know, I see on Facebook, this woman is posting that people are sharing their COVID stories and some people who are saying they just got mild cases drop dead the following week. And I mean, I don't know if that's even true. I maybe because it's from Facebook.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing about this is the thing. Also, you have to sort of separate out the early COVID yeah. infections plus the COVID from the COVID infections people are getting now. The, I mean, if you got Kimberly today, if you got symptomatic, mm-hmm. you would talk to your doctor, mm-hmm. right? You would call a doctor. A lot of people back in the beginning weren't even calling doctors because oh, right. there was no yeah. point in it. Yeah. It was, you know, the doctors were like, we don't know. <laughs> Now yeah. you would call the doctor. Why? Because now there's monoclonal antibodies. And you would call early wow, Yeah. because now there are monoclonal antibodies. The brilliance of monoclonal antibodies is now we have treatments. So you would go and you would get a treatment. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't necessarily put you in a hospital. They might right. send you over to a, an infusion lab to get an infusion of monoclonal antibodies. They're also working on new ways to administer monoclonal antibodies that don't involve infusion. But right now it does. So yeah. why? Well. So you go and you sit for an hour and they infuse you. Hmm. And the thing about monoclonal antibodies, and this is what they, is that they stop that damage. And by the way, your lungs will heal from the damage. Good to know. You know, just like if you get bronchitis or you get pneumonia, you may, uh, you know, if it's bad enough, it'll leave a scar, Mm -hmm. but you won't let it get that bad. You're not going to let it get that bad. Remember there was a period of time when doctors were literally throwing up their hands going, we don't know what to do. Yeah. We don't have anything. Mm -hmm. And that was when Alyssa Milano, all of these people got infected. Yeah. Who like ended up like this lady who spent like 16 days in an, in an induced coma Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the beginning because they didn't know what to do. Yeah. So they just threw on a respirator and tried to keep her alive until her body started fighting back. I mean, those cases. So the like the worst case scenarios that you're hearing now. Yeah, and we're going to be hearing about these for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because this that's what, what we
0: do. That's what we do. <laughs> but,
1: well, it is what we do. But also because it's going to affect. It's going to impact the entire healthcare system yeah. for decades. Mm-hmm. This is going to be affecting the healthcare system for decades. This is why we need to start really contemplating how we do. Medicine, how we do yeah. healthcare in this country, um, you know. I posted that. I posted that. I reposted your thing that Jim Carrey said about oh, right. uh, about medicine, where he he was basically going on and on about. You know, we had healthcare. We have. We pro- i'm canadian we have healthcare in canadian i never paid a dollar mm-hmm. uh, you know my mother never paid a dollar for prescriptions it worked fine There was never any complaint i always was able to see a doctor so anybody who tells you is everybody's always saying canadians are so nice we can afford to be nice <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we, we we have a country where we have health care and a government that cares about us you yeah. know and it's a lot easier to be nice when you're not living in, in a country <laughs> where people are like you're on your own you know right. suck it up yeah um,
0: totally Yeah.
1: So it's like, and this is true, you know, it's like, I've also, you know, like, I have a lot of British friends who, who go on and on and their gripes about the NHS. And I'm like, you know, my daughter, my my father couldn't get in to get his hips replaced. And, you know, took him ages to go in to get his hip replacement, because they were saying it was an elective surgery. And and he was on and and I said, and then when he finally went in and got his hip hip replacement, how much did he pay? Yeah, right. There's like a silence. It's like,
0: nothing. I'm like, aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You because know, what my brother is very centrist. He's not very political, but he's pretty he's pretty centrist. And he lived in Europe for a long time and he married a woman who was living in England and I believe she had her baby over there. And I asked him, now they're all living here, but I asked him I said, "Okay, uh, keep in mind, he is full-on centrist. Uh, mm-hmm. he basically I said, "What healthcare system is better?" America or Britain? He goes, oh, Britain, hands down. I mean, it was oh, yeah. like not even an, a thing. And, you know, I mean, he's so practical. He's very, you know, this is a funny little story about him. Um, of course, my father was an ABC News cameraman, and my brother, you know, uh, I think that we all, as children, you, you know, you all try to find the thing with your father, that, that thing. Like, I realized early on that if I cracked a joke, my dry, like I inherited my humor from my father, so I knew how to make him laugh. And my sister did too. And my brother took a different route. His was more with intelligence. And it was so funny because, you know, he knew my father worked for the news, and my father would always listen to WTOP news radio all the time, all the fucking time. And so my brother would literally fall asleep to it and wake up to it. And he comes down to breakfast one morning, and he's six years old, and he looks really upset and distraught. And my father's like, What's wrong? And he's like, My six year old brother goes, I'm really worried about what's going on in the Middle East.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I see. He's a nerd. He's a total nerd.
0: (laughs) But what's, yeah, he is. And what's so funny is eventually he grew up and then he went into the Navy and then he was working on submarines and, you know, he's fucking smart. And so they made him a diver which I know you have to be really smart to be a diver. And he did things. I know he went over to the Middle East. I can't, he he can't tell me what he did, but Mm -hmm. so I think it's funny that the six-year-old boy who was worried about what was going on in the Middle East went over and did something about it when he was an adult on a, on a ship, on a cruise ship (laughs) where I know he got scabies. I can't even fucking imagine being in a tube in the ocean for like months. I can't even imagine it, but yeah. So anyway, um, uh, I don't even remember why I brought that up. But I just thought that was a funny story.
1: <laughs> well, well, no, we because we were talking about your brother and the fact that he's been around. Oh, right. Like, the and fact is medicine. he's traveled. He knows, he knows different yes, places. Right. We only ever know this. What, I'll tell you my England story. Savannah and I went to England when she was about 14. I have friends who live over there. I have friends who live in London and friends who live in the West Country in Shropshire. We were still on our London leg and staying with a friend of ours, and Savannah started to get very, very sick. Her fever went up, her throat was sore, it was bad, mm-hmm. and I I realized, like, we were in Trafalgar Square, and she turned around and looked at me, and she was white as a sheet, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, this is bad, and it, immediately, I got terrified. We're, like, six, seven thousand miles from home, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I mean, at that time, I was working, and I did have health insurance, and sometimes your health insurance will cover, you know, international travel, and I did mm-hmm. check that, but it's complicated and all that, Yeah. was like, what am I going to do, I have to, I'm going to have to pay it, so I went back to the apartment, and my host said, just call, here, here's a phone book, here are doctors, just call, and I'm like, I had never paid a penny in VAT tax, I, uh, he says, just call so (laughs) i called like three doctors who did two two which didn't have appointments that day the third one she said oh yeah make sure you bring her in bring her in as soon as possible if she's got a throat problem we should tackle that Mm -hmm. and i'm like and 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 i was terrified because i didn't know how much how much it was going to cost so i went to we went to the doctor they charged me 30 the equivalent of 30 dollars wow for the office visit and then i paid 15 dollars for both prescriptions wow I know I went to the chemist and I paid $50 and it was like, that's, it's like, Oh, Oh, she and They were like laughing, not laughing at <laughs> right. me, but they were like, they had that look on their
0: face. You that, crazy Americans. I know
1: exactly. She's like, why are you worried about this? And I'm like, because I've never paid. She goes, it doesn't matter. You know, universal NHS is NHS. Mm-hmm. Are you pay for people who can, you know, that they, that tax pays for people, even people who can't pay. It subsidizes yeah, everything. Right. Wow. And the only reason I paid a penny was because, I was, um, because, because I was an American, mm-hmm. you know, and she handed me the receipt and she said, if you submit this to your insurance company, wow, there's every chance in the world, they'll cover it when you get home. That's crazy. And they did.
0: That's insane. That's so amazing. I know. <laughs> but, wow. you know, and it,
1: it horrified me because I really yeah. wasn't sure. And I thought, imagine being able to go to the doctor right. when you're sick. And my daughter had strep, by the way. Oh, wow. And, and it, that you know, that's, you leave strep on the yes, It's dangerous. That's no joke. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's scary. I had the last time I had strep throat. I was like 17 and it was pretty harsh. I remember it. Yeah. So
1: she was getting it all the time. She had finally had to get her tonsils out at 19. Wow. I
0: wish I'd had it done when she was a child. But yeah, yeah. I still have I my mean, she tonsils. Would get it every year. That's so, so. crazy. I can't I, I they told my mother there was no need to take my tonsils out. And I mean, fortunately, I've been okay. As an adult for I mean, I don't know, I, I, I had throat problems a lot. But but I was mm-hmm. a smoker. And when I stopped smoking, I didn't, I haven't gotten sick as much, but, Mm -hmm. but every single time it starts in my throat. And it's funny because my, (laughs) my father still has his tonsils and I have, I have the Johnson worry gene and my, you know, like my father is a bit of a hypochondriac. I'm Mm -hmm. not a hypochondriac, but I, I'm not a germ phobe either, but it's like, stay the fuck away from me. Like I don't, I'm not like always putting hand sanitizer on and things like that. I mean, I do now, but. Usually I'm not that person and I'm not a total germ phobe, but it's like, if you're sick, I don't want to be around you. If you're sick on the fucking phone, I feel like I'm catching it from you. But, um, and I literally do, but my father just recently told me that, you know, he's like, I can't even tell you how many countless hours I've spent in my lifetime looking at my tonsils in the mirror. I'm like, oh my God, I know. (laughs) It's like just every single little thing you run over and open (laughs) your mouth and I put my phone light on it to see, you know, and I actually had, this is so gross. It's gross. It's a little TMI, but too bad. Um, It's not that gross, but there's tonsil stones. You get tonsil stones. And so I had them last year, Um, where I had, I had it removed because there was this big lump on my tonsil and it freaked me Mm -hmm. out and I was trying not to get too worried. And fortunately when the guy took it out, it was right before COVID hit. So I was lucky that I got it then, but you know, he took it out and he's like, okay, it's tonsil stone. It was accumulation of them and it was disgusting. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, and so of course I, I obsessively check my tonsils for tonsil stones. So it's like, but Mm -hmm. I always just saw myself as the one who did it. But I, you know, if you have tonsils, you're constantly looking at your throat because usually when you get sick, that's where it hits. It hits your tonsils. Well, me too. And I'm a singer.
1: So I'm constantly sort of, I'm, I'm kind of on it, you know, whenever, you know, but my, uh, with Savannah, she was getting strep. Like she was getting strep like two or three times a year. Oh my finally, God, that's
0: miserable. I know. I finally
1: went to a new doctor and the new doctor was just like, why does she still have her tonsils right. if this is happening?
0: Exactly. And
1: But let me tell you, a tonsillectomy at 19 is not the same thing as a yeah. tonsillectomy at seven. And yeah. that's why I wish I had it done when she was a child. Well, what what was I her experience?
0: I, I don't think I'll ever have my tonsils up, but just in case, what was her experience? You know, don't,
1: you don't, I'm not telling you, Kimberly <laughs> Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> because you, you will obsess over it. It's not, I mean. Here's the thing. The only reason it's, it's because, you know, when you're a kid, you, you bounce back quicker, you You heal quicker. She was 19. And also, she's also a singer. So she had learned to sing around these inflamed tonsils, like her whole singing. And so she completely had to learn a new way to breathe. Because she didn't have to breathe around, or you know, her whole the whole it changes the whole apparatus of your throat vocally if you're a singer. So I mean, Mm. it it kind of set her back. As I feel, I think she thought it set her back as a singer because she had to kind of almost completely she had adapted her technique for these swollen tonsils, and then she didn't have them anymore. And so these were all the things, and it was just painful. It Mm -hmm. was just you know, like when you're a kid, you heal from shit. You do like crazy fast. Yeah. And you just don't at 19 anymore. Yeah. And I don't. So, yeah. I don't and remember also you know what's pain. going on.
0: <laughs> yes. And like, I don't, I remember there was, there was, my mom has a picture of me and it was one Easter and I don't know, I was probably like five, four or five and I know it was really sick. And obviously that's hard for me to remember back to being four or five. I, I can't remember right. being, I, I remember that I was sick. And I vaguely remember it. But it's like mm-hmm. I remember with real hardcore detailed intensity how my throat hurt. Because I think it was my mm-hmm. throat. I think I had strep throat that particular mm-hmm. Easter. And I looked a little run down. I was determined to – I put my little outfit on and my mom took my picture. And I look like I'm smiling through tears. And I don't even know if I was. But I just I look so pathetic and sad. But um, I remember as a teenager, it was just like fi- It was like throat fire it was so fucking bad. And, and, you know, and then of course I had a temperature and all of that. But um, yeah, I think like when you're a kid, you'd also, I don't remember being so affected by weather. You know I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes, it would feel cold. Yes, it would feel hot. But I do remember though when I was about 12, I think I was 12 and my grandmother had asked me to mow the lawn and here I was on the East coast. So it was very humid. And for the first time in my life, I had sweat running down my stomach. I had never Mm -hmm. had anything like that before. So it's like, you know, I mean, of course, as a kid, I sweat, but I never dripped sweat like that. And it was like, I, I think you're, I think like the weather doesn't affect you in the same way. And so perhaps that holds over into pain. And so I don't know. But yeah, it would have been better to have him out when I was a kid. But this doctor told my mom, um, you know, I think Bob's, I don't remember if Bob has his, but the doctor told my mom, well, we don't do that anymore.
1: Right, that's exactly what what they told me. Yeah, and and I feel bad about it because I should have just I should have gone with my instinct on that because she was getting sick all the time. But
0: yeah. whatever.
1: Um, you know, here's the the one thing I was gonna say when you were talking about you know feeling like you're gonna get infected when you're on the phone and all that is one thing <laughs> that COVID has done for us, and this is why. You know, this is why Japan, why South Korea, why Asian countries have um, managed to, to control this epidemic is because they're used to putting masks on yes that's during so the cold and flu season yeah you know so this this honestly i hope out of all of this what we end up with is like when you're sick put on a freaking mask mm-hmm. stop infecting other people yeah it's like you know if you have to i mean sometimes you have to leave the house mm-hmm. and there are people who will come to work no matter how sick they are mm-hmm. but at least if you're sick we yes. understand the concept of mask wearing now. right see if you can at least leave it to your little one one and a half foot radius right. and not spread it around so you use hand sanitizer when you're sick mm-hmm. you put on a mask when you're sick because let's face it you know you're not necessarily putting on a mask to keep you from getting sick exactly you're yeah putting on a mask to keep somebody else from getting sick yeah so um and i remember you know i i just this, at the beginning of last week i was just finally finally got my test results i was diagnosed with. Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So I was at the pharmacy getting my thyroid. Thank God. But um, um, getting my fake thyroid, um, my, full, my full-roid. And, um, <laughs> and I, I saw a guy walking through the store and he, of course he had his mask on, but it was beneath, right. beneath his nose. Yeah. Because apparently his nose, right. unlike the rest of us, is not attached to
0: his lungs. <laughs> you know, he's the one. He's the
1: one who's right. Not right. The one guy i started to get upset about it and i thought you know what i i'm i'm protected right and i don't know what to tell you if Mm -hmm. you can't figure out how to wear a mask if (laughs) (laughs) kindergartners all over the country are figuring out how to wear masks but you're the idiot who can't figure it out And there's quite a
0: few of them i just i don't understand them but hold on let's go back what is it that you have and what is it
1: oh i have hashimoto's thyroiditis it's basically what it is is it's my I, I as we're talking about this i'm getting a call from the <laughs> Pfizer, from the Pfizer vaccine doctor oh, but wow. I'll call her back <laughs> like, i don't know what she's doing. i think they're checking in oh, okay. but um i uh, i have Hashimoto's thyroiditis basically what it is is you your body is still producing thyroid mm-hmm. but you're also producing it is the definition of an autoimmune disorder hmm. your body is producing antibodies against the thyroid that you're producing. Wow. So my body is essentially thyroid resistant. And this has been going on. This fight has Mm -hmm. been going on for 17 years. Wow. And, and basically because I'm overweight, I get patted on the head and told, uh, it's not your thyroid. Go home and eat a salad and walk more. And (laughs) you'll feel better. Wow. You know, because the medical profession is Mm -hmm. very fat shaming and very fat phobic. Mm -hmm. And basically doctors are trained to blame everything mm-hmm. on weight mm-hmm. in america yeah so my sister who is not overweight well she would she would argue with that but she's not <laughs> you know right she's she i have one sister who has hasn't had a thyroid since she was nine years old she's been on centroid since she was 12 hmm. i have my other sister three years ago was feeling crappy she went to the doctor they ran tests and um <clears throat> they diagnosed her with Hashimoto's, which means your body is still producing T3, T4, TSH, all that stuff that you get tested for when you, when your thyroid gets tested, but it's also producing antibodies. Hmm. And I have been fighting this and I actually got tested at Kaiser. She tested the antibodies. She goes, well, you know, you do have the presence of the antibodies, but they're not that high. And I'm thinking your body should not be producing antibodies against the I get so horrible your body is producing. Exactly. And so finally, the one thing about being at home with COVID is you get to order your own tests. Hmm. You go online. I ordered my test from a company called let'sgetchecked.com. Hmm. And I sent it away. And they're like, oh, yeah, your thyroid levels are all normal. But your antibodies are double. Wow. What they should, you know, of anything that we, we consider, uh, you know, livable. Mm-hmm. So when I finally got, I finally got a, I had to go through this whole, because I don't have insurance anymore, so Mm -hmm. I had to go join, like, this telemed, telemedicine company and give them my test Mm -hmm. results, and she's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) you've got, you've got that, you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and then I finally got a prescription after 17 years, and I just started taking it last week.
0: Wow. That's incredible.
1: It's it's brutal. Well, yeah, as a woman, you have to fight. You know what? Oh, God.
0: Uh, Oh, you're so okay. I just have to weigh in here because for the I mean, I remember talking to you and asking you questions years and years ago about bioidentical hormones. And Mm -hmm. so I started taking them five years ago. Now, I am going to go off. Be- and, and I'll tell you why. But there's this whole thing in between. And, you know, as, as we all know, as you just mentioned, being a woman and dealing with doctors, even with female doctors, sometimes it's like they just don't have the information. And mm-hmm. with bioidentical hormones, I know that the United States isn't approving them and they're not moving forward in studies and everything because of, of the pharmaceutical industry. They cannot they can't for some reason, you know, they, they don't produce whatever it is. That they, they can't offer a, a like a one size fits all because bioidentical mm-hmm. is you know for instance if if I if my testosterone is high, then my doctor is going to change my prescription so that it's lower. So it's not just like you can get a birth control pill and everybody can mm-hmm. take the birth control. So anyway, I've been on them and ever since I started, I have gained weight, and so this you know this particular weekend has been quite hard for me because. Nothing that I do, nothing I do for the past five years, I can't lose weight. I just can't lose it. And I don't, you know, I mean, if, if you were to look at me, you wouldn't say, oh my God, she's obese, but I think my fat ratio on my body literally does make me obese. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I looked up, you know, I took a guess, I won't get on the scale, but I took a guess at what I weigh and I entered my information on, you know, like an online thing to figure out your BMI and it was a lot. It was over 30. And mm-hmm. that's obese. And so, mm-hmm. you know, again, I mean, I'm a six foot, I'm six foot tall and I wear a size, basically I wear a size 12. I used to wear a size 10. So it doesn't seem like, oh, big deal. It's just one size. But as far as like the fat on my stomach, which I know is visceral fat and, you know, the, the difference in my arms and legs and everything. So I'm almost convinced I'm almost convinced that the reason I have this extra weight on me is because of this particular, which I need. I'm not going to go into all the details because it's a little personal and private, and I'm not doing it on the free show. But I use estriol, and estriol is the lowest form of estrogen. It's, u- it's what women produce when they're pregnant, and I, I don't and, – and I've taken my dose down so far to um, – literally only it used to be where she had me on three dose, like three doses of what I'm taking a week. And now I just do one and I split it up three different times. But I, but I remember back in just 20 years ago today, um, I was on whatever birth control pill I was on for my acne. And I mean, at the time I was an actress and I felt like, you know, I can't have acne. I can't deal with the fucking acne. So I went on the pill and then I gained about 15 pounds, which, you know, in Hollywood, you might as well be 5,000 pounds if you've gained 15 pounds. And so it was like one or the other, one or the other. And then finally I decided it was this time 20 years ago. I decided, all right, I want to get off the pill and I'll figure something out. And it was at that time I discovered clindamycin gel for my face, which worked. I could use that on my face as a preventative. It wasn't a drying agent. I could keep my acne at bay and I was able to finally lose the weight. And so now I'm waiting for COVID because it's like when I, uh, I think what's happening is my body, I think right now as we speak, it's like changing. The, the chemical makeup is changing and it's not tolerating this estriol. And I get extremely emotional and mm-hmm. I get irrational I mean, I'm irrational. I, I, you know, I, I. She had prescribed me estradiol at one point, and I took it for about a month, and I felt fucking great. And it was like, oh, I'm gonna. It looked like I was gonna start losing weight. Same thing with DHEA, but with estradiol, I was irrationally angry and filled with rage after about a month. That was fun. So I went off of that, and then, um, <laughs> I mean, I was filled with rage. Poor Bob. It was like he couldn't do anything without me going. <coughs> You know, like screaming at him for something. And it was like I just looked for things to get angry about. And I could feel it. And it was so awful. So I went off of that. And then when she had prescribed me DHEA, it was the same thing. It was like a month. I felt great. I thought, okay, I'm finally losing weight. And then it was just total exhaustion. I couldn't stay up. And, I mean, I, yeah, I couldn't stay up. I'd have to i slept all day long. And so it's like what makes me so angry is that in Europe – bioidentical hormones are, are very studied and much more understood. And my, my tests come back when I take tests. Um, it's, she puts me on a saliva test only. And so it shows, it, it said that my testosterone and progesterone were through the roof and that I had no estrogen. estrogen was
1: in the basement. Right? Yes.
0: And it's like, how is it through the roof? How do I have it through the roof? And and so then I find this woman on on face or on YouTube yesterday, and I believe she's a doctor, and she's always keeping up with all the British studies, and she's talking about how to use it. And she said there are some women, and I mean, this is a woman from YouTube, so I'm not giving her too much credence, mm-hmm. but I'm just listening to different people. So she's, yeah, and so she said um, that women who have large breasts, which I do, I mean, they're mm-hmm. ridiculously huge now because I'm older, but it's like when I was younger, I had like C cup. I don't even mm-hmm. know what fucking, I probably have an E cup now cause they're huge. But, um, she said women who have large breasts, um, often have enough estrogen to take them into their nineties. So maybe that's why I've had such a fucking adverse reaction from, from these. And it's like, I've had female doctors and they do whatever testing they do yet, some reason it's not matching so I've decided one thing I'm just going to do for myself I'm getting a blood test where you know online you order it and then I'm going to send yeah. it in. I just want to see is it really well Are you- I don't I don't know where it's from but um I haven't ordered it yet but I'm going to get one uh but I'm going to keep that name in mind that you just said but um mm-hmm. I feel like I want to see what the blood says compared to what the saliva says. So I'm going to do a test with my doctor of saliva. And then I just Mm -hmm. want to see, does it say something different? Because I found out that if you, and I found this from a different doctor online who's in Las Vegas and it's a man. And he said, if you're doing creams, which I'm doing, um, Mm -hmm. because I don't do pellets or pills. He said, the blood tests aren't going to, they're not going to reveal that. It's better to take a spit test. So, okay, fine. But I just want to see what the blood test says in my blood overall. You know what I mean? Right. I want to see what they both say. But the whole point is like my well, fucking other, hormones just, have been driving. Well, the, the, my f- hormones have driven me crazy my entire life and nobody's right. been able to help me. Well, and it's because the other thing too
1: is you don't, You a lot of times too, your symptoms, the reason, like, here's the thing. This is the thing about all of this. Um, like if we're going to get personal, I've had, I've been dealing with weight my whole life. I, I, my cat is doing it again.
0: Well, that's okay but no we don't difference. we love cats here's the thing i've been dealing with weight my whole
1: life right so um it's like i'm not paying attention to him i'm paying attention <laughs> that's to doesn't like that. um <laughs> but um, he so here's the thing i've been dealing with weight my whole life up and down and up and down and, yeah. up and down see the, it is possible that this thyroid thing has been going on even right. longer than yeah, 17 yeah, yeah. years yeah but because i've been patted on the head and sent home mm-hmm. it's not you know it's not you know you just eat the salad Um, now I wasn't really, really heavy until I got, until I hit around my very late twenties and thirties, right? Right around the time I got married, got pregnant, all that stuff. Since I've had a child, it's changed. Yeah. So obviously there's, there's a hormonal aspect to that. But the other part of it too, is that I, um, I, I I, like, because of the thyroid issues, like in 19, in 2002, I had gastric bypass surgery. Hmm. And I think about this all the time. I think, what if I didn't need it? What mm-hmm. if all I right. needed was to go on synthetic thyroid?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, right. because I wasn't listened to. Because exactly. Here's the thing. I have been prescribed every freaking antidepressant. And depression is a, a, a symptom of thyroid disorder. Hmm. What if I didn't need to go? like Exactly. Antidepressants will pass out like candy. Yeah, But apparently Synthroid is made from the wings of fallen fairy queens and it's so very rare that only special people can get it you know it's like you know can we just try this and see if it works and the the, the thing about Synthroid too, is it's going to be months before we see whether it's effective or not. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, well, because, you know, it takes a lot. Thyroid is a regulatory hormone. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing too, is um, I've had, I had the test that you're talking about. I actually took through Everly really Well. I had, you know, I tested my female hormones and they're all over the map. They're hmm. destroyed. I mean, they're just like a mess. Mm-hmm. And I thought my thyroid was the only working gland that I had until I took this other test. Wow. Um, that's the other thing is you have to know what tests to take. Yeah um it's never a bad idea to take both saliva right and yeah a blood blood test
0: yeah well body logic was the first um you know like introduction into bioidenticals and i remember they said do everything do urine uh blood and and your spit and i mean Mm -hmm. you know i mean ultimately i would like to go off um although listening to this woman who reads these studies from england she's like you know because they study it over there and because they have a much better understanding and doctors are more well-versed in all of this, there are women who safely and happily stay on it up until, however, 80, 90, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just, I feel like I, I, I get nervous because, you know, you're kind of just playing your own doctor here. You know, you the, the tests that they do on hormones are on fucking men. And then they right. decide what to give women, you know, and... and Again, my whole life, I used to have this girlfriend and she experienced her hormonal issues basically in the same way I did. And I I said to her that my entire month, whatever, wherever I was in my cycle, there was a grab bag of symptoms. And so whether it was sore breasts, feelings of doom, starving, wanting to shove fucking sheet cake in my mouth, like, I mean, (laughs) the, the desire to shove donuts and sugar and fat. It was like, it was so strong. And, you know, so it was, was, and then maybe one or two days out of the month, I felt okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I would have irrational, I mean, there was this one time I remember, and I think it was a combination of hormone imbalance. And I do think I had estrogen dominance. I look back on everything and I think I was always estrogen dominant. No doctor Mm -hmm. ever told me that. No doctor said, let's test your hormones. Never. Never. But I do believe that that's what I had because of all the symptoms. I, I went through acne. I had I had so many different things that I went through, but it was like this these feelings of doom constantly. And, uh-huh. you know, and, but I had this one time when I, I I got this job. So I think it was a, it was a hormone imbalance mixed with life, which was stressful. And I got uh-huh. this job that I never want. I never wanted to work for these fucking people. And I used to sell giftware and I would say, I'm never working for that company. And then lo and behold, the day comes where I'm working <laughs> for like this janitorial supply and it was fucking awful. And I'm like, anything to leave, anything to leave. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, this giftware company, I don't have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and drive to a college and work with some guy who doesn't like me. And so I go and I work for this company and on, on the, um, like before I worked for them, I had to fly to Atlanta. So we could like learn the business and go to the showroom and blah, blah, blah. And of course that's, I got the, I got the flu, the real flu, two weeks sick went on the flight home. So right as I'm supposed to start my job, um, I get really sick. But when I went over there right before I left, I just went into this complete fucking breakdown. I was unable to not cry. I was, I remember I was at the airport and I was hiding from people because I couldn't stop the tears coming down my face. And it was mm-hmm. just, I, I, and it wasn't like there was something specific that was upsetting me. It was just general. It was just this mm-hmm. general, complete breakdown. And I mean, I finally pulled myself together. I actually wound up having an okay time. But I, you know, I, I think that there was a feeling of dread working for this company, which was very, very so. I, I hated that job. I hated my boss and he hated me. This is how much I hated him. I hated him. Okay, he. I know you've seen this guy. He is like the shiny California successful young dude who thinks he's the shit. And I'm sure he was a Trump voter. I mean, I don't know, you know, at the time Trump wasn't around, but like he would he would be a Trump voter. And, mm. and he was good looking. But he, and when I say shiny, I just mean perfection. You know, I mean, he was like doing fucking apricot facial masks and stuff. The guy was so... Um, just perfect. He had this perfect look to him. And I hated his guts. And I, I knew I was going to hate him because I got the flu. And I felt terrible. I, I can't work now for two weeks. I'm supposed to, you know, like I, I was supposed to go to work and I was just too fucking sick. And I had lost my voice. And, and I had to whisper. But when I did talk, I literally sounded like the fucking devil. I was like, Bleh! and And I'm <laughs> not even kidding, but I, I would call my mom and I would whisper and I would call my dad. And, but when he would call me every single day and ask me, are you, are you okay to work? I would talk to him in my devil voice and go, no, I sound like this. Don't, I felt like saying, don't fucking call me tomorrow because I'm not going to be better tomorrow. I was so sick. My fever had gone up to 103.5. I was fucking I felt like I was going to die. But anyway, so I think it was the first day. So by this time, two weeks had gone by, and he had called me every day. And I was, like, starting to hate him so much. And then I met him, and I, I, it was made it worse. And he didn't like me either. It was like we hated each other so much. And I remember we were on the freeway going to our last appointment, and I was just like, oh, my God, I fucking hate this guy. And I had this vision, like, in my – I was, like, fantasy – we were on the freeway and I wanted to open his door and just push him out and watch all the cars <laughs> hitting him.
1: I <laughs> mean, I've never you
0: know. felt like that about anyone. And it was so funny because eventually they fired me, but they fired everyone. And it was so funny just because I had been when I got hired, they were paying me. I think it was 40 or $45,000 base salary plus commission, which is like fucking unheard of. You never make base salary, uh, maybe 10,000 or 20,000 if you're lucky, most of the time, you just get a, a draw against commission and that's it. But I got a salary plus commission and, and then what happened was they hired all these people under this, I, I don't remember how much it was, 45, whatever it was, and, and then they fired a bunch of people and then they made the managers, the salespeople, and they took the base salary down to 30. So I know that I, and I was part of that pool that got hired. And there was so much wrong with that company. I hated that company. But it was so funny because I, I realized at this point, okay, they're starting to fire people. I know people are telling me that they're seeing their jobs on CareerBuilder. And then like a week later, their boss fires them. So I kept looking at CareerBuilder. I'm like, I know I'm going to get fired. I know it. And it was so funny because one day we're set to work together. And he was being super nice and we were totally getting along. And I I looked at him and I said, I'm getting fired, aren't I? And he's like, why (laughs) would you say that? I'm like, because you're being really nice to me and we're getting along. And I mean, I just didn't fucking hold back. I didn't give a shit. And, you know, he's like, no. And then he lied and told me that he was uh, he was going to leave the company and he was going to become a police officer. But then, of course, he said, no, I'm just kidding. He, He kept that up for a few hours. And then eventually he said, no, 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 I'm not leaving. Everything's fine. And then, okay, within a week, there's my job on career builder. And, and it was like, that was the end of it. But it was just, mm-hmm. I hated that guy so fucking much. Oh my God. I'll never forget how much so that I hated affects, him.
1: that also affects your health. Like going it to work does. every day at a job that you hate, mm-hmm. it, it affects, it, yeah. it affects everything about you. I yeah. mean, about your whole life, your whole, your health. I mean, one of the things I realized was I don't know that I can ever go back, you know, go yeah. back into an office again because I'm feral. Yeah, I'm absolutely fucking feral. And I don't even mean (laughs) the soft pants thing. I mean, which is a big deal. But I mean, I I guess I could go back in an office, but I can't go back in an office the way that I was working before. It just it's never going to work for me. Yeah. And I so and I was so unhappy at my last job. Mm -hmm. And like I loved my coworkers, but I hated my bosses. Mm hmm. And I was just putting on a brave face, yeah. and it's it uh, does. it does, it
0: affects your health, it affects your mental you know, health and stress. You no, know, it really does,
1: that. you know. And one of the things I think a lot of people have realized who've been unemployed is, you know, it's like you know that you're, you know, you know, that you ha- don't have a, you have to go back to work, mm-hmm. but how are you going to do that now? Exactly, you know, how are you going to back and work for somebody that you hate? Yeah. Um, in a job that you hate. That's one of the reasons why between now and the time we all have to go back to work, mm-hmm. I'm desperately trying to figure out how not to do that. You know?
0: I, wish, I, I, I saw this Oprah video and I should have sent it to you and I forgot to, but it was something about the idea of if you're not doing what you need to be doing. So, like, there are some people that, okay, clearly you need to pay your bills. You have to mm-hmm. pay your rent and all of that. You have to eat. Um, but it's sh- something along the ideas that you have to do what your calling is. You'll mm-hmm. never be happy. Like, it's hard to find happiness. And you and I talked about the fact that you're a writer. And mm-hmm. you need to be writing. And, you know, you have to figure out how your life's going to be and to make that work for you. But I do think, I honestly do believe that um f- you know trying to find that you know my mother's doing that because she's writing and yeah, you know I I mean, read she's, her book it's yeah good. and she <laughs> she's you know I mean she's certainly not poor but you know she has to watch you know she's living on social security she's fortunate in that she has a house but she has to be careful because she just doesn't have you know tons of extra money to spend and so she has to You know, figure out what she's going to do. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm looking. It's funny because as far as what I'm doing, trying to build this show, uh, I was I was watching uh, because like I fucking live on YouTube. So I just keep saying that all the time. But there was this guy that I like to watch and he he has turned his life into something completely different. He used to work at Nordstrom selling shoes and he didn't like it. And so he decided that, you know, I know that he wanted to do make a YouTube career for himself and he likes to talk about expanding consciousness and, you know, just different ways to be in your own head and ways to perceive things and think and all that. And I mean, I got to say from 2017 when he was working in um, at Nordstrom, now he he's got a million followers on YouTube and he just purchased this amazing house in Arizona. I don't know why anyone wants to live there, but whatever. But he lives next to the big red mountains and everything in Sedona. And he's got these amazing views. And he, he, said, he said something like, first of all, you have to do what you love. And you have to have fun with it. And he said because there was a time, and this is what I can identify with. There was a time where he was, because he's YouTube, he's looking at all his stats. And it's like, how many views did I get? How did, how far did they listen in and all this stuff? And he got consumed with it. And his whole reason for posting on YouTube was about getting followers and building stats. And then he said, and I just stopped doing that. I just started focusing on what I love. And and it's like right now, the conversation that you and I have, are having, uh, you know, that's, I love this this makes me happy. I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, I could call you up on the phone. We'd have a very similar conversation. Uh, it it feels good. And, you know, I mean, it's still something that I have to grow. I want to grow this show. I have, you know, goals to make it bigger than it is. I mean, I'm still going to always do the same kind of show basically, but just bigger audience. Um, but I, you know, I mean, I have found that I'd say in the last several months, I've been just kind of not worrying about stats. And, I, and and then i listened to him and i thought well that's good then i'm glad i'm not doing it because you get so like when you write a blog you're just like how many views did it get how many views did it get and you get so mm-hmm. locked in to the things that don't matter when the thing that matters is like the is your creativity and your soul and your you, everything that you're doing and so I don't even, you know, I keep, I keep going off into these tangents and forgetting where they came from the first place, yeah. but, but I think it's yeah, just we, about we being did happy. Sort of get off, we did get off the track. <laughs> we, well, yeah. Point. And initially I think one of the things that we were going to talk about was how weird it is like when, okay, so like you get vaccinated, I'm vaccinated. Do, do we feel comfortable now? What's Well, going yeah, on? I mean,
1: I totally, I a a friend of mine just got vaccinated. That's why I sent you that Mary Poppins meme is a friend of mine got vaccinated and we're talking about going to lunch as soon as she's fully protected. She just got vaccinated yeah. this past weekend. <clears throat> and it was the, the meme is actually of Mary Poppins and Bert tripping through the, the oil painting. So they're like walking on the backs of turtles. And it was like, basically a meme said, this is how we're all going to be. We're all vaccinated. We don't know how adults behave. Right. It's true. I, like, I was like, we're going to go to lunch. But what does that mean? What does that even look like? I don't even know what that looks like anymore. Like, what is like, I, Did go out to somebody took me out to a uh, to a a birthday dinner and and it was very strange because we had we were behind meeting behind the smokehouse which is a famous restaurant like right across the street from Warner Brothers just for people in other places and but they had a tent out in the back and and it was it was not like a restaurant Mm -hmm. and obviously we're not open yet Mm -hmm. California's not open yet so we're going to be eating outside and it's freaking freezing right now i mean it's pouring (laughs) rain and and uh (laughs) it's just insane so um you know, we're it's we're not we're definitely not going to be eating that way. We'll right. be eating outside again, but it's like you know we're going to be sitting across a table from another human being.
0: <laughs> I know that's not in
1: my quarantine group. <laughs> and and it's like, mm, what is that going to look like? I yeah. wonder. And I really, honestly, have no idea. I have no yeah. idea what it's all going to look like. I, uh, listen, I actually made a video back in I want to say it was like July or August. I got into my car to drive somewhere, and I realized. It's not that I forgot how to drive, but I kind of forgot how to drive. You know, like when you're driving, it's on autopilot, right? Everywhere you go, there's no autopilot anymore. I literally have to think about driving. It's like being, it's like being a first-time driver, like as a teenager, getting behind the wheel and having to remember (laughs) what goes where, (laughs) where you have to (laughs) look. It's like it's so strange. And I realized this weekend I've been putting off. I have to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I literally have nothing. I have tortillas and cheese. To eat, <laughs> and that is it. <laughs> and maybe a little salsa to put on top. But I, you know, as long as I have cat food and I can eat right. cats what they're used to, I'm like, I've been putting off going yeah. to the grocery store like mad. And yeah. it's crazy. I mean, it's insane. So I uh, I just don't even like. I don't know what to. I don't know Mm -hmm. what life is supposed to look like anymore.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, and it's,
1: it's not going to yeah. be
0: the same. No, it's not. That's, That's the it. Other thing. That's it. It's going to be different. And it's like more places are going to be closed. F- favorite restaurants may no longer exist, which is really upsetting. I mean, I've been hiding away, and I have the luxury of hiding away because I don't have to go out in the world for my job. But it's you know, I mean, and where I've gone in this past year has been extremely limited. Mm. But yeah, where do you where do you go? Like, where? How are things going to be? And also for me, it's just there's a certain amount of anxiety, I feel in general, with driving here. And that's only gotten worse. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like the idea of driving at any distance freaks me out. And I just, you know, I mean, as I told you the last time, I think I told you, like, drivers here are fucking insane they're Uh rude and they're mean and they they get right up on your ass and it's like it I've I'm already freaked out enough because the the system here is slightly different I mean it's manageable but you know it's I'm not used to it and so that was one thing when I was an outside sales rep in Los Angeles you know I had I knew if I I used to live in the South Bay and so when I moved up to Los Angeles it was like okay well I know how to get to the South Bay but if you told me to go to San Bernardino, I would start panicking because I don't understand I don't and so when I became an outside sales rep, I remember I got it was so funny because I, my boss handed me on my first official day, he handed me my my list of customers, which was like the size of a phone book. And so I was like, "Cool, and I get it, and, and I'm like thinking to myself, I don't know where anything is. And what what the fuck? And this is before GPS. You know, we didn't have our phones to right. tell us where to go. And so I had to get a Thomas guide. And the first day of my job, I worked in my neighborhood. You know, I lived in Glendale. So I thought, OK, well, I know where to go in Glendale. But I had to map out my day. And when I did that, you know, for I think it took me about I don't know, half a year, whatever it was. And I I went everywhere. You know, I went to Venice Beach, I went to Santa Monica, I went all over the LA basin, and then I became used to it. So driving there wasn't so stressful for me, because I knew I was familiar with everything. But here, I'm not familiar. And I get this weird anxiety. And so being Mm -hmm. locked up for like a year, it's just made it even worse. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Completely, (laughs) absolutely. And it's like, I, I, I get to a point where it's like, um, well, and I think you and I have talked about this. Like, I, li- I grew up in LA. Yeah. Right? So, but I only grew up, like, the thing about LA people, because it is like 36 suburbs, you know, 47 yeah. suburbs <laughs> in search of a city you know, your area of LA is what, you know, yes. so right. like if you get south of downtown, it's seriously, it might as well just be like, if you looked at Google maps, it should, <laughs> might as well just be like sea monsters and dragons. I have no idea what's down there. It's like Tust- Tustin, don't even talk to me about Tustin. I have no freaking clue. <laughs> I can maybe get you to the forum. Right. That's about it. And I would need GPS for that. Yeah. And, um, and like I, the, GPS is a godsend. It no, totally kidding. is because I I just can't function in L.A. because the Thomas Brothers. I I I thought every city had a Thomas Brothers. Every city in right. every country had a Thomas Brothers. Turns out, no, a they lot don't. of people don't need it. No, they don't need it.
0: But it's oh, L. A. is so fucking huge. Only weird. in L.
1: A. Only here in Southern California do we need the, the three orange, the three counties of Southern California <laughs> that most people travel. I you know, and it it's Thomas like this brother? huge
0: book. And then on top of it, though, I remember I was so excited because there was a triple A map that would show you the freeway system. So it was like mm-hmm. all of L. A. And then so it's like it's, when I could look at it all laid out in one picture, and then go to the Thomas Guide where it's specifics. You know, page Mm -hmm. 38 has you on like a mile radius or whatever it does of wherever you are. I mean, then it made sense. But I would literally, I would would go to my office every Monday when I was selling, it was the bone china and Mm hand-painted ceramic coffee stuff. I would every monday i would just map out my week and i would write turn right turn left you know what i mean it was like <laughs> just like a gps just, just like a you know
1: yes.
0: it's, it's it's just an, well and then and then you
1: started printing out then we start printing out Yahoo maps of turn right turn left and right. then right, they right, find, right. like our gps and we don't have to do that anymore And think they, it's civilized it's just it's yes. way more civilized. It's so now. much better now though. i just have some lady with a british accent screaming at me and i like that <laughs> turn right here Oh my god! I, I made I my ways. I I gave my ways a British accent because every time, you know how ways just sends you on like the craziest yes, path. Yes. I just figured when she sends me down the garden path and to some weird dead end, I just go, oh, she's
0: not from here. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's foreign. It's not her she fault. She doesn't understand. She doesn't. It's know. Yeah, it's much
1: more forgiving. <laughs> oh my god.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna totally switch switch the conversation piece right now because I do want to get your opinion on this. I want to talk about a couple of things and I want to lead into Woody Allen, but I want to talk about Cuomo. And, Uh uh, you know, I wrote something last week that I, I truly believe this too. I think that especially with right now in our political division with the GOP, that's like the GQP that you absolutely cannot trust um Mm -hmm. democrats have to be very careful about how they handle sexual assault or sexual misconduct allegations against democratic Mm -hmm. men that's not to say that we shouldn't believe women we should absolutely take all everybody seriously um and do investigations and see what comes out and you know i'm looking at cuomo and the way that I feel about it at first was, you know, I, I saw people questioning the timing and 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 wondering if maybe this was some kind of like a Trump thing or, you know, because maybe they would get a, a new governor that would pardon. Well, that means they'd have to get a Republican governor. This is New York. I don't know that's mm-hmm. going to happen. But, I, you know, I do think Democrats have a tendency, like, I don't want the GOP to use our own morality against us because we're very, very quick to say step down, step down, step down. And in some cases, I think they absolutely should. But then in other cases, it's unclear. And when I look at Cuomo and when I look at, you know, the fact that Rebecca Traister did that – Article on him. She was talking to people who worked with him in the past. This is not like all of a sudden, out of the blue, some woman comes along, we've never heard of her, and she's saying something happened. This is uh, a combination of women. This is more than one woman that's talking. And, you know, they worked for him. So I'm thinking that, you know, and then the other thing that I'm just going to throw in there. Is a man on Facebook because I guess there was a story that a woman said that he reached up her blouse that she had bent over and they were at work and he reached up her blouse and touched her underneath that and somebody said, "Oh, I can't even imagine that a man you know in a work situation would make such a stupid decision well <laughs> I've, to- <laughs> I've told this story before, but just real short, I was at a, in a sales call with this guy who I was comfortable with. I met with him several times. And all of a sudden, he starts telling me how he's married, but he has affairs, and that he demands that whoever he's going to be sleeping with, that they offer him up a recent STI, STD test to prove that they don't have disease because he says, and I'm not even kidding, he said it really slow and very matter of fact, he said, because I'm very oral. And if I get sick, I'm going to kill her. And it was like, okay, are you ki- are you exaggerating with the word kill, or are you being serious with the word kill? And mm-hmm. I'm very oral. W- wouldn't you think? Wouldn't would this same man on social media who said I can't believe that he wouldn't understand that that's so? Wrong. Who thinks it's okay to talk to a sales rep and a, a woman sales rep while you're a man and say how oral you are? Mm-hmm. No, th- that's so fucking inappropriate. So I just. And it's also, my, my question is, does that ever work for you? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I knew what was coming on to you. Does that ever work? You're like, what, what person has like just said, let's go? I'm
1: the woman in the right moment. Go, oh, Benny, that what's so <laughs> quiet. Oh,
0: yeah, you're the one. No! No! Don't say that. No! <laughs> It's like, no, women don't want to get penis pictures from men and we don't want to hear how oral you are.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's is like craziness. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's true. I mean, we both know that men, that, that, to even ask the question, and then I would never do that in a right. setting. I mean, I'm sorry. I've been sitting. I, one of the reasons I'm not an actress anymore is that, <laughs> oh, that time that I was in an audition, and a casting director walked behind me and literally put his hands down my
0: sweater. Oh, my God. And grabbed
1: my breasts. Just like I'm, and I was blown away because I seriously was not, I mean, I'm pretty naive about such things. And I was then, too, because yeah. I was in my early 20s. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I, I was in my early 20s. But um, it, it's crazy. I yeah. mean, it's insane. It, it, men, men will do, men you know, men, and back then, men would do anything they wanted. And this is the other thing, too, and they even brought this up. I mean, we're gonna, we'll talk about this later. But the Woody Allen thing mm-hmm. is this idea of powerful men, right? Just doing whatever they want, they can. And, yeah. You know, Jill Winebanks was on, uh, I think she was on, uh, I don't remember if it was Jonathan Capehart or Velshi yesterday. And, um, they were talking, she was talking about this, and she goes, I know this is going to be controversial, but I think we should wait until after the investigations for exactly the reasons you said mm-hmm. because, um, uh, because it's crazy that that we just sort of automatically go get rid of them right you know? right make them, make them resign yeah we did that with frank and we did that with right. all of, we did that with all these people we shouldn't do that now only because mm-hmm. first of all there may be because of the woman that he's whose blouse he reached down that was referred to a district attorney right that's a potential right that's a potential sexual that's third degree sexual assault right now, whether it comes to anything or not, I don't know. But here's my point about this. Powerful men, and Jill Weinbanks made the point of he has a history of this, not just treating women badly, but bullying men in a different way right. as well. Not mm-hmm. sexually, but in a very powerful way. Mm-hmm. And these rumors have been circulating for decades. Mm-hmm. The same thing is true. The mm-hmm.
0: same thing yes. with
1: Woody Allen. Yes. All of these people, and all of my actress friends, gather around Woody Allen like some kind of, you know, walking on water. And they did the yeah. same thing with Weinstein. All right. those actresses. Yeah. What do they expect? They yeah. have to spread their legs if they're going to get a. Little... Wait, wait, hold on. Right. What? Right. Oh no, no, we don't. Because mm-hmm. it's a job. Right. A exactly. Job. Exactly, we shouldn't have to sweat our legs to get a job.
0: No, and that shouldn't be the expected. And and the whole thing boils down to patriarchy, to men running everything. And it's not to say that women running everything is going to make, or you know, I mean, if even if it's half and half, there's still going to be problems. We're still going to have shit, but it's not going to be the same kind of shit because this is about men, you know. uh, uh, And oh. This makes me so angry. I mean, th- it reminds me of when Bill Cosby was first accused. As a woman online, if I, I-, I believed the women. I, I, mm-hmm. It didn't take much for me to say, okay, I think he's guilty. Yes, there's mm-hmm. due process. and and But again, how do you prove rape? Well, when it comes to these situations, it's all about what other people saw and how many people had the very same experience and how many friends did they tell and things like that. And you can start piecing things together. Um but I know that when I would post about him or, or even today, if you post about Michael Jackson, you get this cert. And they were talking about that on the Woody Allen thing last night, that it's like people mm-hmm. get so defensive, specifically men, they get mm-hmm. so defensive about it. And it was like, men were getting angry at me and other women or men who were, who were believing the women with Cosby. And then eventually it was like 60 or 50 mm-hmm. something. And they were like, okay. And then he was found guilty and now they finally shut up. But with mm-hmm. Woody Allen, it's like I posted something about him and I think I, I was so angry after that first documentary that I said something like, you know, whatever I said. And then I said, if, you know, if you're going to defend Woody Allen, I'm going to fucking block you. Yeah. And uh, so then I notice on my writing page, on my Patreon writing page, there was some guy who was signed up for two bucks and he's, you know, he, he left and he left a little thing as to why he left. And he said, Kimberly is too I can't remember the words he, but it made me laugh because he said that it was like, I was like a woke extremist and, and that, uh, and it was Woody Allen. And, and, and he said, he didn't say Woody Allen, but he said something like, I'm tired of her threatening to block everyone who doesn't agree with her. And it's like, it's not about not agreeing with me there. If I I disagree with Joe Walsh on almost everything, mm-hmm. but I like the man, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like him despite the fact that he can drive me fucking nuts. I like him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't just block people because they disagree. I'm just, I have no fucking tolerance for people who can justify pedophilia. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I well, can't. And, and,
1: <laughs> or call it
0: something, something else. And this is the thing is, I have a very close friend
1: who's an actor, who all he knows is what is the primary surface stuff that you see is Woody. Basically, all he's ever listened to is Woody Allen's, you know, it's like, oh, I was never charged with anything. Right. I was never, well, we know why he wasn't charged right. with anything because and the district attorney has been very clear about that all along Mm -hmm. that he felt that there was probable cause but he didn't think that dylan would be able to Mm -hmm. withstand a a celebrity trial and that's why he didn't press further he wasn't exonerated and and i have had this discussion a million times he wasn't exonerated no he was not and this is the thing about cuomo too you know Just because, and this is true of Weinstein, it's true of Cuomo, it's true of Cosby, these women all feel, all are made to feel. Like they are completely alone Mm -hmm. and it's not until the first charge comes out. The same thing was true of Trump. Mm -hmm. The first charge comes out that people are like, that happened to you too. Oh my God, it happened to me. Oh my God, this, Mm -hmm. and this same guy did these things to me and this same thing happened to me. And that's what the whole me too. And times up movement is all about is essentially you have a situation where, you know, there because of the nature because of the shame in it Mm -hmm. and the way that you're made to feel ashamed and the way that you're made to feel at fault Mm -hmm. you keep it to yourself you Mm -hmm. you know that if you bring this out there are going to be consequences that you can't afford you Mm -hmm. can't afford to lose your job you can't afford to to not you know and and jill uh, like in that same interview with jill winebanks somebody and i think it may have been jill said think of all the women in Cuomo's circle Mm -hmm. who were fascinated by politics, who really wanted to be in politics, who were completely turned away from that because of him, because the way that he acted, the way that he touched them, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know? um,
0: But I agree with, I I do agree with her as far as, I mean, he sounds guilty to me. He sounds guilty. Um, I do think that though, you know, I mean, no matter what, I, I think at some point he should step down because when you have so many people Arguing the same point and saying, you know, like I want to go to Tara Reid, where you know she made this accusation against Joe Biden, but none—it never stood up, and she didn't have corroborate. Nobody, nobody corroborated Mm -hmm. what she said. Nobody. And then you know, I know it was funny because when I brought up to her, my mom or my mom had brought up to me, I should say, that you know, back in this time frame, she. Was saying how it was a hot day, and so she wasn't wearing pantyhose. No, 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 no. And Sherry Jacobus was all over this, all over fucking Twitter, saying mm-hmm. no fucking way. I was, uh, I was working in the Capitol then, or you know, on the Hill, and you had to wear your pantyhose. And I mean, back in the, the '90s, just in mm-hmm. a fucking department store, if I got a run in my pantyhose, I yeah, couldn't I got, take yeah. them off. I had to mm-hmm. wear the pantyhose with the run in it, or get a new pair of pantyhose. Mm-hmm. I couldn't walk around without pantyhose, and and I mean there was it was funny because you weren't even allowed to wear fucking pants, mm-hmm. and so this whole thing about what Tara Reid was saying it 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 fell apart, you know, and it's like I I didn't want to believe that it's true I'll be the first one to admit it I did not want to believe that it's true but it was like well if it's true we need to know, and sure. you know and so sure. I I didn't like what I was hearing but I listened. And the more I listened, her her story changed, and right. no nobody around her was saying yes. This is this. I saw the same thing. There's no other woman coming up and saying this happened to me too. The hallway that she explained that it happened in is constantly busy. There's no way. Yeah, and you know, everyone up talks
1: her. about the tunnels, like the tunnels underneath it. Like like it's just this dark. Right. Like, it's a dark <laughs> like it's a catacomb. It's not a catacomb. Okay. It's, it's basically busy. the number one way people get from one Capitol building to another, especially in winter what yes. it's called and you so don't, there's, yes. there's always people there i have a friend who is a political correspondent and he was talking about that he was like you know i do want to believe the women and i'm not trying to dismiss her charges it just seems really implausible that what she said happened where it happened yeah happened and because then yeah
0: There'd be no way. There's no know. way. No, and the timing of it was also very suspect. I mean, the timing of the Cuomo stuff, you yeah, it's it's natural to say, okay, we've just put this crazy man out to pasture, hopefully, but there's all these legal proceedings that a new governor might be able to pardon him or whatever. So but I mean I'm gonna go back to well, it is New York City. How no,
1: not, and, and also by the way, he, the the, new York, the Democratic the lieutenant governor would be the person who would take over so that
0: yeah I mean well and that's it I now. mean it's a Democrat it's a blue state so I'm not overly concerned that they're going and to and she's get, a woman yeah so I doubt seriously right. that she's going to right but so. I think I think that you know I mean people get so upset about it and you know what as a feminist I, I gotta say in this particular instance with Cuomo I've kind of taken a step back I'm not making a knee-jerk reaction I just wanted to see what would come forward like you know I I at first I was like, okay, I think we need to just do the investigation. And I I think we do need an I think we need to investigate all of them. Because again, you can't prove rape, you can't prove when someone unless someone else saw it, you can't Mm -hmm. prove that someone put their hand down there up your shirt or down. But what you can do is establish patterns of behavior with other people weighing in and what they've seen. And so like, again, with Tara Reid, she had there was an opportunity there for other people, they could have said, yes, we saw this. And yes, we experienced this. But it didn't happen. It wasn't there. Mm -mm. And like with anthony weiner although he wasn't in office um he didn't have to step down from anything he took a fucking picture of himself in bed next to his child and he was oh sexting so it's like we don't need an investigation to decide what he did there we could literally see it with our own eyes and well, you know also, you know even after an investigation
1: if the, the 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 thing about cuomo is i i don't think that this is i mean i think that a, a lot of what's happening is he's universally despised yes, just by people who work <laughs> for him. He just generally is because he's really kind of, he's not a nice guy yeah. and you can sort of say, you know, and, and, and not like that, but if you listen to his, If you listen to his defense of himself, it's like, oh, now all of a sudden he's bringing up cancel culture. Oh, dude, right? Right. (laughs) You know, it's like I'm not, well, I'm not part of the establishment. You're a freaking Cuomo. Yes. You're a freaking dynasty. Shut up. You know, stop. And then you were married to a Kennedy. Stop (laughs) talking to me about how you're not part of the. Oh, I'm not part of the vanguard. I'm not part of that. You are the vanguard. You're here. You know, your kids are Kennedy don't even <laughs> with that you know and it's like I I mean he's just you know his and he you know his apology anytime somebody apologizes with I'm sorry you misunderstood right right I, no, I'm no, done
0: no I'm done yeah but uh, I mean yeah.
1: don't fire him just investigate him and Yeah and the reason this all came to light the investigation part of it is because he lied about the nerve. He lied about his COVID numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, this all started with the lies about the COVID numbers. Yeah. And, and so, you know, he did do that mm-hmm. and, and I don't care what his excuse is for that. There was no excuse for that. He didn't have to do it, yeah. but he did it. And, um, You know the the fact is, COVID was bad then, and it was worse in New York than it was anywhere else at that time. Yeah, Um, that's where it started. It blossomed in New York, and the rest of us were like, "Ooh, we don't want that to happen here." But you know, he lied about the COVID numbers, and we were relying on him. Mm -hmm. He was the he was the only politician talking about COVID. Yeah, you know, while the federal government was pretending like it didn't exist, we were relying on him. We were relying on him for honest. Right. Uh, genuine information. And he knowingly told his people to lie about mm-hmm. these numbers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, all of that will come out and mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care why he steps down or if he ends up stepping down or if he just finishes out his term, whatever happens, happens. But the fact is my new thing, especially since Franken is, um, and even the woman, by the way, who complained about Franken, mm-hmm. w- said that she didn't think he should have resigned. Right. She said, I didn't think it was bad enough that they would force, but Kirsten Gillibrand, mm-hmm. all of these people came out and demanded that he resign. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a mistake. I think yeah. an investigation should have happened. And he asked for one.
0: Yeah, uh- he asked for one. Franken said, "Let's have an investigation." I think when somebody says, "Let's have an investigation," w- we should have that investigation. And due sure, you know, I mean, process. It's, yeah, it's,
1: it's only fair. And the Cuomo has said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Let's finish the investigation. Mm-hmm. And Jill Winebanks, who is a woman who believes that mm-hmm. he's a bully, mm-hmm. basically said, "Let's finish the investigation." But yeah. then she's a lawyer. She's a prosecutor. Right. Yeah, that's what she does. Exactly. And I, I'm going to go with the professionals on this. And if the yeah. prosecutors are saying, let's have an investigation, then let's do it right. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know that Andrew Cuomo really wants an in- investigation. <laughs> <laughs> because um, more every day I turn around and a new woman's coming. Right. Yeah. So men are coming for their bullying yeah. stories about Cuomo and what it kind of a, you know, his, his dick moves, you right. know, the fact is, I'm so t- I'm tired of this, This is all part of the patriarchy. You Mm -hmm. know, men get to act. And I've seen this in studio executives Mm -hmm. all the time. They get to act any damn way they want. They get to be as bad as they want. They get to be as mean as they want. And even if they're not sexual abusers, they get to be as mean and Mm -hmm. bullying as they want, as violent as they want. And because they are who they are, they are given kind of a a pass at that. And they expect it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everywhere they expect it in every aspect of mm-hmm. their lives. They go to restaurants. Mm-hmm. They're horrible, you know. That yeah, was one, the one, one good piece of advice my father ever gave me about dating was: if he's mean to the wait staff <laughs> that's the end of him. Yeah, serious, that's the end of him. Just yeah. dump him, because if he's mean to the wait staff, that means that as soon as the glow wears off, he's going to be mean to you. Exactly. And, yeah. And you know, because that's how that's how people are, and the same thing is true of women, by the way. If they're oh yeah, mean to absolutely. The wait staff, you know that that's going to be you in like a year, right? So, um, but yeah, so that's the whole thing about men in power, and and this is everyone has known about Cuomo. Everyone knew about Harvey Weinstein. It was a, yeah. it was an unspo. Everyone knew. About, about Woody. I mean, this is the thing about Woody Allen is, I think, I can't remember if we talked about this the last time we talked, so I don't think I'd seen the special yet, Mm -hmm. but the archives of his scripts, every single script (laughs) is the same thing. It's him having an affair with an underage girl, you know, and it's like, it's a running recurring theme Mm -hmm. in all of his movies. Mm
0: -hmm. And then there was an artist yeah. sixty year old guy sleeping with a seventeen year old right and th- and making it that she wanted it, that right. it was her going after him so it was all justifiable. and the thing that makes me sick about this is that you know I mean i didn't I knew about Sunyi, but I didn't know. Because in this documentary, it comes out that maid staff and other people, like people, door people, doormen, saw mm-hmm. her as a teenager going into the building. And
1: his, well, what was the she was doing? Learning the clarinet?
0: I know. Seriously. Well, they say, the they, say they found condoms and they found semen on his bed after her visit. <gasps> and she was a teenager, so that means he was raping her. It doesn't really? matter if she consented to it. That was rape. And as you said the last time, he was grooming her. So I think he also groomed the son, Moses, who told these stories about Mia that didn't hold up or match what any of the other kids said. Mm-hmm. I mean, she adopted. Or even what Moses said in the beginning. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. He went against his own words and had this very close relationship with, with Woody. Um, and then that part, there was that phone call with Woody when she, she said to him, how can you paint me as this terrible mother? You know, I'm not a terrible mother. And he goes, and I'm going to make it stick. And I mm-hmm. mean, you could really you could hear on those phone conversations of what he didn't say or how he was talking to her that this guy is fucking evil and he mm-hmm. presents himself to be the self-deprecating funny man on stage. But behind the scenes, he's not what he's presenting himself to be. And the worst part of it is you have Dylan. Now, I had no I I knew he was with Sunyi, but. I didn't really realize that it had started. I mean, obviously, there was something wrong with it. Anybody who's going to be dating your girlfriend's daughter, there's something fucking really wrong with it, and I knew that. But I, but, but you know, he, his stupid thing of my only crime was that I fell in love with Mia's adult daughter. Okay, not adult, but that's Wait. what we hear, and we don't overly question it. But. You know, what I didn't know until Dylan wrote her 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 thing was that he stuck his head in her crotch when she was five years old and he would take deep breaths in and he would put Mm -hmm. his thumb in her hindquarters and, you know, and uh, her mouth and her hindquarters. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I believe her 100 percent. Her story never changed. And when Mm -hmm. Ronan Farrow heard it because he didn't want to believe it for years and years and years. And then when he finally sat down with her and talked to her about it he realized what was going on and then you see people and this was like the most disappointing thing and even when it happened it was the most disappointing thing but it's even worse now when Diane Keaton came out and basically was like well you know he helped me so yeah well he's like I wouldn't have a career for." Orphan. but see right. that's
1: the whole thing is everybody all these act all my actor friends believe somehow Woody Allen's going to come along and make their career and and <laughs> but you know there are plenty of I will say I was heartened there are plenty of actors who looked yeah. back and went I wish I had yes ever. Me too. I yeah, I felt the same now. way. Yeah. I'm a mom now and I wish I hadn't done it.
0: And they gave and, their um, money back. They gave their salary back. Or they yeah, donated exactly. Donated it or and, something.
1: And it's like, and I think that, and well, and apparently he's having trouble getting yes. American distributors to release his movies. Um, the, it happens, but it happens from the European end. Yeah, so he made fine, a lot of whenever, money. You know, from yeah, Europe. Europe seems to have less of a problem with that, right. especially France. You know, they love Roman, they love their Roman Polanski. Yeah. Um. So, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um. But I just, I have a, like the the problem is is that all of this is public. Like all mm-hmm. of this is public record. There are mm-hmm. depositions mm-hmm. that are very specific mm-hmm. about the fact that her story never changed. The mm-hmm. only thing the only thing out there that says that she wasn't telling the truth is that new haven report
0: right which and that paid for a
1: fix from the beginning yes and they they mangle and that was one of the reasons why she was so fragile she couldn't testify yeah is because new haven abused her mm-hmm. so abominably
0: yeah by constantly interviewing her and making her relive it over and over over again. and over yeah. again
1: which you're never supposed to do yeah. and um they You know, essentially they ruined her as a potential witness. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why the district attorney was just like, I can't put this kid on the stand. Mm -hmm. She'll crumble. She'll fall apart. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, and. Um, I, I felt, I, you know, I saw, it was so, cause you could tell how that tortured him,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And he
1: was like, I just don't even know what to do here. And he basically, you know, and she said, I wish I'd had the opportunity mm-hmm. to testify against him mm-hmm. to at least have my day in court. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she said, I wish I'd been stronger. And he goes, don't you dare ever blame yourself. Right. Like, but, but I mean, she was seven, she was
0: seven, you know, yeah. I mean, she-, exactly. she was a
1: child <laughs> and, you know in a weird way, like, I'm not saying that Mia Farrow's family is conventional. They're, they're a a mix of different people. There's a lot of adoption. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, these, a lot of these, a lot of her kids are uh, special needs, Mm -hmm. but you know, she's sort of cobbled together this family that seems to love each other. And, you know, they're made of half siblings and, and you know, step-siblings, and you know, they all kind of, and also you know, friends that they've gone to ex-girlfriends that, right. you know, ended up staying in the family, but it's like, you know, the, the when she said at the end, I'm scared of, yes. like, they're, they're like, are you scared of Woody Allen? And she said yes. I'm like, of course she's scared of yeah. She's not scared he's going to come and murder right. her. He's He has a tremendous, he still has a tremendous amount of power, yes. as is evidenced by the fact that a good and decent man that i know is 100 percent on woody allen's side wow without knowing any of the facts mm-hmm. because all he knows is woody allen's press conferences mm-hmm. his witty little press conferences mm-hmm. and 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 that stupid autobiography that he wrote which was a lie from beginning to mm-hmm. end mm-hmm. you know like if you just take out all of the accusations from dylan all of the, you know everything and just look at his behavior. Exactly. With Sunni? Yeah. With uh, with no, I'm sorry, not with Sunni. Look at all of his scripts and then the look scripts. at his behavior. Yes, his
0: scripts alone tell you all you need to know. Right. But then again, exactly. you get men. I mean, there was an article that came out that was you know having him defend Polanski and hang out with Jeffrey Epstein, and so you know he he believes that he's in the right. He's okay for doing this, and mm-hmm. and 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 people because he let he wrote that this young girl was hungry for his dick, then it was all okay. You know, and and there is some truth to that in that when you're a young girl, I mean, I've had my own experiences when I was 17, 18. Well, let's just put me at 16, 17, before I was 18 years old. There were Mm -hmm. definitely men. I mean, I lost my virginity, and I hate that word virginity, but you know what I mean. I had first time sex at 16. And so once you kind of, and plus I looked like a woman. I looked like I was in my 20s at that point because I was so tall. And, you know, I mean, I was starting to, it's so funny because (laughs) I wrote something in my diary. I, first I was a geek and I was a full on geek. I had thick glasses. I was chubby. I just was a fucking geek. I didn't know what I, the clothes that I wore were stupid. And then I blossomed and I became the swan. And when I became the swan, it it was shocking. You know, I was Mm -hmm. used, I was used to just being the, the kid that had a big stomach so when I was, like, taking a bath, I would just look up so I didn't have to see my stomach. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was a geek. And, um, and then all of a sudden, here I am, blossoming into this, you know, teenager who's beautiful. And, 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 and it was so weird because it was like I was too, I was, because I was tall and I had big bones, like, the mm-hmm. boys didn't really pay attention to me. I freaked them out. I looked like a woman. And mm-hmm. um, so it was men who would pay attention to me. And I liked that attention, you know, and fortunately no men abused that. No men ever, you know, if, if I liked them and they could pick up on it, they didn't take advantage of it. I mean, there was this, there's this movie, um, God, I, I think I might've talked about this with my mom. I hope I didn't say it on the podcast, but there's this movie to Jillian on her 37th birthday. It's with, um, what's her name? Um, Michelle Pfeiffer and Peter Gallagher. Oh, that's
1: the, the, the she's dead. Yeah,
0: she's dead. She's, so, she's dead, right. And so he's got, he's got a daughter and they, they have this beach house and then the daughter has a friend who is like the good-looking teen and then he's got his friend, his male friend, who there's this kind of flirtation between the good-looking friend of the daughter and the good-looking friend of Peter Gallagher and they're, you know, kind of flirting until she calls his bluff and she goes up to him, she's like, come on, let's do it. And he, like, freaked out. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, he was Mr. Big Flirtation uh, for his ego, really. Right. And, and thankfully, he, wasn't, he didn't take advantage. Well, there were some men in my younger days that had a little fun flirting with me. But again, I think it was for their ego, and they never would have gone further. But I think, you know, there is some truth to the fact that there might be some young women who have had sex, so they feel comfortable with sex, and they're like, hey... But if you're a man, don't do it. Don't touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't touch. And it's like, you know, that's just it. It's, it's like, right. you know,
1: this is what that's the thing Oprah said. I don't care if she was parading around in her underwear in yeah. front of you. She's 15. Yes. You're the adult. You need to keep it. This is It plays into this whole idea that we've developed about men that they just have no self control. Right. Oh, you know, just take that tank top on, on, tank top on, and go put on a turtleneck. Right. Because men have no self control. Yeah. It's like, oh, aside from the fact that a turtleneck can be pretty damn hot depending on what body <laughs> you put it on, I mean, essentially everything shows. Am yeah. I right? You yes, know, just it because does. the skin is covered doesn't mean everything's not showing. Right. So this whole idea that men, their skin just drives the man wild right. and can't control his base or impulses. <laughs> it's cool. Crazy. Yeah. You know, no. And this is this whole thing with Sarah Sever Everard in, in Great Britain. You know, the mm-hmm. first yes. thing the police did after they, after she went missing was, oh, just stay off the streets, women. Like, no. Right. Those are our streets. And by the way, she was murdered by a cop. She was murdered by a cop, and no one is talking about that. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, she did everything right, and she was still murdered by one of you. Mm -hmm. So don't tell me to stay out the street. You take care of your house. Men don't rape. Boy, women, you know, and this is my whole big thing with mothers of teenage boys who are like, and then that girl she just came yeah. over and she just seduced my. Did you tell him not to rape? You know, there's a comedian. <laughs> I can't remember who the comedian is, but he goes, he goes, he, he was talking about the difference of raising his 18 year old son versus his 12 year old daughter. Uh-huh. And he goes, you know, when your kid's 18, there's just not a lot you can say. He goes, you know, he grabs his keys. He's out the door. I'm like, drive safe. Don't rape. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, why do you say that? Well, I just think it's good advice. Drive safe, safe. Get to where you're going safely. And when you get there, please don't rape anybody. I just think it's sound <laughs> advice for everyone. You know? Totally drive true. Safe, don't rape. <laughs> well, then That's basically, we don't teach our boys that. And we don't you know? teach
0: our boys about consent because it's like the idea of, I'm sure Sunni was convinced you know she was consenting to to woody allen raping her basically because she's not when when you're underage, you're, it's not legal it's not a legal thing it's statutory rape and that was oh that was the other thing that really fucking pissed me off and i know there's going to be a lot of people on this podcast listening who are going to be like oh kimberly i don't care fucking quentin tarantino justified what he was doing oh. with sunyi because it was only statutory rape Or or maybe it was planned. He did end up
1: apologizing and having to apologize for that. Well, yeah, I remember that. It took a lot. He took a lot of heat for that. Well, and he should have. And it pisses
0: me off. And and now I haven't canceled him. Woody Allen, Mm -hmm. yes, he's canceled because he's a fucking pedophile, and I can never. And it's it's only canceled in that I can't. Just last night when I was watching the last show, I. Every single time he came on camera, I got fucking violent. And, yeah. and, and and I was like, poor Bob sitting there listening to me ranting about fucking how angry I was every single time I saw him. I can't ever watch a movie. I can't ever look at him again. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not the biggest <laughs> Quentin Tarantino fan. I recognize that you know, he's got talent and that he has something to offer. It's just not for me. You know, I just no. recently watched True Romance. Hey, Ziggy. I know this is Ziggy's favorite show. But, you know, Stephanie, who was on the show with me, that's one of her favorite movies. And mm-hmm. I'm not angry with anyone who likes these things, you know, who likes these movies. And I did like True Romance. Ah, true Romance. It's just it, none of his movies are my favorites. I just, it, yeah. there's too much no. violence for me. And it's like, I know that, some, and I really did like... um at least when I first tried to watch Reservoir Dogs, I couldn't get through the opening. And then somebody said, it's really, really good. Just get through the opening. So I did. And I actually liked the opening. And then I liked that movie. And that movie's fucking hardcore. It's very violent. But yeah. I liked it. It was like, OK, I thought that was pretty good. And, you know, I mean, I didn't like the one that everyone loves so much with the Royale with cheese, whatever movie that was. Uh, I like the soundtrack from it, but I don't like the movie. Everyone fucking loves that movie. I can't remember the name of it. You know,
1: with a, with a pulp Samuel. Fiction, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp yeah. Fiction. Yeah.
0: Like, I just didn't like it. I know, lots of people Well, here's it. the thing.
1: It's not so much the violence, because there are a lot of movies that are violent. It's the sociopathy that I have a problem <laughs> with. And, and that's, you know, if you want to talk about recurring themes in movies with directors, yeah. it's Quentin Tarantino's constant, his fascination with absolute and complete psychopathy and sociopathy just a complete lack of any kind of moral guidance whatsoever yeah. and, and that and it's there's a titillation factor in that yeah. that i find profoundly disturbing in in this last one that he did with uh, which was the western yeah i mean it's just so it's also very very i guess dark and nihilistic but there's it's more than nihilism it's this idea that you kind of can just Do whatever you want without consequences. Mm -hmm. And it's all part of the same thing. It's all part of this idea. You know, this idea that, uh, you know, that you constantly hear on, like you will hear it on uh, websites uh, that are dedicated for men. Men who men loving boys type thing where it's uh-huh. like well back in the Roman times I mean we're not living in the Roman times okay? you're not living in the Roman times anymore well you know girls used to get married at thirteen we're not living in those times anymore you know and and when that clip with Roman Polanski came on in the um, in the last episode of, of Alan D I uh-huh. um, and he was like well she wasn't she wasn't um, uh, you know unfamiliar with sexual she was thirteen right I, yeah, and not only that. And this is something you didn't mention last night. He had drugged her. Right. So, right. no. Absolutely, absolutely not. No. You are a rapist. Mm-hmm. And you are going to prison if you come back to the United States. Right. Because we are going to arrest you. Because, by the way, you were indicted. That's all on hold.
0: We're just waiting for you. Yeah. And I mean, I think for me, like, I feel, I mean, it was upsetting to me to find out about Cosby because I really liked that show. It was Mm -hmm. a part of my growing up. And, you know, it really held up. If you watch it now, it's still funny. Mm -hmm. You know, It's it's very funny. It's entertaining. It's funny. And so there's a betrayal that you feel like, oh my God. But with Woody Allen, it feels different. It feels a little bit more personal. And I think for me, it comes from, number one, when I was a kid, I was savvy. And my, my parents split up when I was three. And so my dad would have me on the weekends. And both my mother and my father never treated me – I mean, they always treated me like their daughter and like a little child and everything. But there was also this part of me that I was savvy. And they just let me hang out with their friends. And it's like, you know, for instance, in Maryland, uh, kids would refer to – like if, if my mom had a friend – She never made me do this, but my aunt and uncle did. So, like, if they had a friend, uh, Doris and Smitty, I'd have to call them Miss Doris and Mr. Smitty. And Mm -hmm. my mother never made me call anybody Mr. or Miss. I just always called Mm -hmm. them by their first name. And so my father and mother had more of a casual relationship. And then with my father, you know, when I was, like, six years old, I would watch – he would let me stay up, and we would watch Saturday Night Live. And Mm -hmm. I I got it. You know, I mean, there were – I'm sure things that went over my head, but – for the most part, I got it. And I felt really cool that I was able to kind of hang with adults and that I got their sense of humor. And so my father was a fan of Woody Allen and, you know, living in Russia, we would get all these movies to watch and so many Woody Allen movies and my dad would laugh and I would laugh. And, and so it's like, I feel like I've been betrayed by him because I felt like cool for liking him, and even though there was always this little bit of grossness about him, not just because he was not the best looking man, but he's like, because like, who the fuck wants to fuck him? I never understood that. But um, and I shouldn't say that because that's really mean. But I can say that now because he's a pedophile. So fuck him. But um, I, I, I feel like there was always something dirty about him. And it was like that made me feel a little dirty. I didn't like it, but I, I overlooked it. You know what I mean? And it's like looking back. And he was just
1: being the funny guy. Yeah, he was. So you can overlook. And he almost, this is the, the thing that's kind of seditious about it. Because he's, he plays into that and, and like, he is that that character is like that mm-hmm. so he's slimy and why would a girl like him but all these pretty women do mm-hmm. you know it's they even made a point of talking about it there's a part of mm-hmm. Woody Allen that's in all of us mm-hmm. that feels really inadequate and mm-hmm. really like uh, under par mm-hmm. and really falling short and yet people love us anyway mm-hmm. Pe- you know attractive yeah. uh exciting people love us anyway yeah and and everybody's Everybody wants and who doesn't
0: want that? Exactly. Everybody wants that. So yeah. he it's very it's kind of like if you look back on it, it's kind of manipulative. It, it is. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's like because you go back to before you knew very much. And it's mm-hmm. like if you would have just opened your eyes a little bit more or taken a closer look, the clues were there. But uh-huh. we, but we, you know, why would we have thought, but there were things letting us know, you know, I never saw Manhattan. If I would, I do believe that if I would have seen Manhattan, I, I think something like a bell would have been ringing, although I'm not sure, but I think there would have been something that mm, I don't like. Cause she, when they were showing clips of that movie, she was so young. She looked she was like so a, young. she looked like a little girl. So it was yeah. like, I don't know if I would have been, I don't know what I would have thought if I would have seen that movie before I knew what was going on. But it just seems like if you just would have asked one question or, you know, peeled back one layer or one thing, that it would have all come out. And and, and And I
1: do remember Siskel and Ebert at the time talking about the movie and making a big, kind of a big deal about that, you know, about they were disturbed by the fact that she looked so young. Yeah. I mean, even more so than Juliet Lewis, even more right. so than you yes. know, she yeah. looked like a kid. Yeah. And they make a point of that, of right. her being so no, she's only like 17 or whatever. Yeah. She's a high school kid. Yeah, That's the thing that's disturbing is she's a high school kid coming over to his house. Stop me if this sounds familiar. Coming <laughs> over to his house after school Yeah, with her homework mm-hmm. to his apartment. I mean, it's just like Exactly. If we had just stopped long enough. And, and the fact that it happened, it played itself out in real life, mm-hmm. the way it played itself out in the movie. And yeah. all of us are going, that's impossible. How could that ever right. possibly happen? Right. And they, he scripted it. Mm-hmm. It happened because he scripted it. Mm-hmm. He saw her. She never had a boyfriend. She never she was completely, you know, completely innocent, yeah. completely sheltered since since she'd
0: been brought over from korea she'd never Mm -hmm. she had no experience and she was damaged because she she was coming from a damaged place even though she went to a mother to mia said she had to work like six years or something to make her Mm -hmm. feel like there was some kind of comfort level so this girl had definitely come from a situation that had damaged her and woody zeroed right in on that that. absolutely hollywood people are i mean he's new york but it's still the idea I mean, I had this friend who I used to go to these parties with, and it was so interesting to me because she was she's a good looking woman. Um, very, very much she's from one of the I think from South Carolina, and she's very much mm-hmm. that. And she looks like a beauty contestant. She was one. I told her that when I first met her. I'm like, You look like a beauty contestant. She's like, I was. And I thought I, I thought I was like I thought I thought I was like sounding like I was insulting her, but she's like, no, I was. And so (laughs) she asked me, um, like she was so vain. I would never met anybody in my life that was so vain like her and she was exhausting and nobody really liked her. I met her doing fragrance, you know? So we were, we were selling perfume and we were freelancers, and so I liked her enough. She was a nice person, but she got on people's nerves because she just fucking talked about herself constantly. And so one day she said to me, hey, I got invited to this party, and will you go with me? And she just she just fucking grabbed me, in, and I didn't want to go. And, and at this point, I wasn't an actor anymore, and she was an actor, and she was pursuing acting. So this was like an act. It was an industry party. And so... Finally, she wore me down, and I was like, fine. So we went to this party, and I actually wound up having a lot of fun because I didn't give a shit what people thought of me for the first time ever. And so I was just so jaded, and I was enjoying being jaded, and I was enjoying walking around, you know (laughs) – Fucking with people and <laughs> yeah and, and it was fun, and I loved it and so but but I watched her, and it was amazing to me because there was this one guy he he wound up i think she got invited to this party because of this guy, and I don't know who he was he was i think he was Armenian or something like that, and he had a lot of money, and somehow lot you know made her believe he was connected, and he told her you're going to I'm going to make you a star, you're going to be a star and all this stuff, and he would fawn all over her and so you know, why don't you come to this party? So she invites me to the party. I don't even know if he was there. I eventually I did meet him. But what I noticed was when we would go to these parties. Now, first of all, she was an anorexic and a bulimic and an alcoholic. And she had by the, when I met her, she was 28. She had all new teeth because she had completely killed her teeth from bulimia. And, um, her grandmother bought her, her boobs. And I mean, she was a, a smart girl, and she literally, she had a really good heart, but she was such a fucking mess. And she was so insecure. It, I've never met anybody in my life so insecure. And so that's why she would talk about herself all the time, because she was just so insecure. And so we would go to these parties, and I had my attitude. I was just like, whatever. And I think my energy came across. People were, like, not wanting to deal with me. I could have fun at these parties, but I people did not, they would fawn all over her. and I th- And they would... You know, not people who wanted to fuck with her or fuck her. There was women who would do it too. But it was like they – Hollywood, and and this goes to Woody Allen, can sniff it out. You know, mm-hmm. they can smell the insecurity. They can smell the the needy desire to be famous. And And it was like they could tell from me that I didn't give a shit. So yeah, they didn't want to have – yeah, they were thirsty, so they had, no, they had no use for you. Yeah, and, and they didn't even know what to make of me. I mean, they didn't know what mm-hmm. to make of me when I was thirsty. But when mm-hmm. I wasn't anymore, and I would go around telling them that I was 40 just to watch the looks on their faces. <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> it, was like, it was so funny to watch them freak out. And I i was like 32, and I would lie and say I was 40. I'm like, oh, don't tell people that. And I'm like, Phew. Shut the fuck up. That was, it was so ridiculous. But I had fun because I got to have that attitude. But I've never gotten over how the difference of how she was treated. And then the, the funniest part was my neighbor had a party and invited me. And so I brought her and no, and, and this was a real life party. It wasn't actors. It was just normal people. No producers, no nothing. No one liked her. Like she Mm -hmm. repelled everybody and it wasn't because she was a bitch. She was a nice woman. It was she, she was just fucking never stopping. Oh my God. And it was like, we went to this one party one night where we had to dress our fantasy. And so she dressed kind of like a little Barbie and she was wearing this cute little outfit that showed off her figure and everything. And then, and then, and then I was wearing this long black dress and I, I, my fantasy Uh, I guess like childhood fantasy. I just chose movie star. That really wasn't my fantasy Mm -hmm. as a child. But I thought, okay, I'll be the movie star. So this long black dress and I have this long cigarette thing. And, you know, and (laughs) and we meet this guy who, it was David Cantor. He was like the son of the guy who owned Cantor's in in LA. And so he was wealthy. And I remember like we met them at the party and he didn't have, want to have anything to do with me. He was all over her. So then he invites her, and I go with her, to the next time we go out, it's Halloween, so we get dressed up again. Well, this time, I was the sexy Hillcat and I was wearing a skirt and a tight sweater, and she went as Emma Peel, and she was wearing this outfit that covered her from head to toe, and it was actually a work uniform, but she worked for, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Theory Mugler, that perfume, that well, yeah. the, she's designer, So it was a jumpsuit,
1: like a jumpsuit. Yeah, it was like a jumpsuit,
0: but she was completely covered. So when we went out that night, because I was, I mean, I wasn't wearing like slutty cat, if you will. And I don't Mm -hmm. like that slutty cat, but just to give you an, I, but I was sexy hell cat, you know, I had that Mm -hmm. sexy look to me. And he was all over me this time, and completely ignoring her. And it drove her nuts. And I didn't even like him. I thought he was an asshole. But it was like he, you know, he, kept, he kept saying, you know, let's ditch your friend and all this stuff. So I decided, though, because I, I didn't like him, but he had a lot of money. So I thought, you know what? Tonight I'm going to pretend that I'm, I'm Paris Hilton. And I started demanding things of him. I'm like, <laughs> I want a limo and I want to fucking drive around LA and I want champagne. And like within an hour, we were in a limo with champagne and I'm like, I want to go here and I want to do this. And I, you know, it was like, just for the one night, you know, and I, I, I led him to kind of believe that maybe I would go out with him again. And of course I never did, but it was like, you know, but (laughs) endless, endless, endless from her. I should have worn a different outfit. I'm covered up. Nobody's paying attention to me. And it was like all fucking night. And it was like, you know, when I met this guy and he was all over her and he wasn't paying any attention to me, I didn't give a shit. You know, it's like, well, and I'm you an insecure think person. How sad
1: that is for her, because here's I know the, thing. the fact is, and you and I both know it. That it's the one thing that doesn't last is your looks exactly your looks go and if you find somebody and if that basically the only value that you have mm-hmm. is is your skin that skin is going to end up getting wrinkled down the road yeah. so you have like you know you have a, a, a you're on a time clock mm-hmm. and you have to find the husband and get the ring on before all of that starts to fall apart um, and then hope, your husband, hope
0: yeah then you hope your husband doesn't trade you in for a younger woman
1: well, and even if he does, you better hope that you don't have a prenup. Exactly. You know, you just basically take the money and run. I mean, it becomes an enter- It sort of weirdly mm-hmm. becomes this negotiated negotiated enterprise. Mm-hmm. I just find really frightening and appalling because you know I- I've been with people who you know make you wonder. You know, like I-, I basically was with someone for several years who, if I got the flu, it was like he was like, Oh God, like get over, you know, Wow. I guess this means, I guess this means you're not cooking dinner tonight. Oh fun.
0: And I thought to myself,
1: (laughs) what if I ever got cancer? Right. Who would take care of me? He wouldn't Mm -hmm. take take care of me. Mm -hmm. He would abandon me, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's all about him Mm -hmm. and him looking after and me looking after him and how I fit into his life to take care of him and his dreams and his aspirations. And I used to say this all the time. I would tell him what I wanted and he would give me what he thought I deserved. And, And a lot of women... Put up with
0: that. Yeah, they do. And And she's definitely one of them. Because you know what? She wound up getting married and I had talked to her she wound up voting for Trump, so I don't talk to her anymore. But um (laughs) she told me that for a year in their marriage, her husband wouldn't even speak to her. Can you fucking imagine? And I don't exactly remember why. I, I can't remember what the reason was, but I don't care what the reason was. If you're <laughs> married to someone for a year and they don't talk to you, she's like, he didn't say a word to me. I mean, they have kids. So, you know, he talked with the kids, but he just ignored her. And, you yeah, know, and no. she put up with it. And and it's because she had no value. And it, and it was sad. You know, I mean, I had a lot of fun with her because we went to all these parties. And I, I always kind of looked at myself as this... Um, I don't know, like I was I was there for her. I, I I think there was like some karmic reason or some, you know, reason because she was living in Los Angeles from South Carolina. I I grew up in LA since the age of nine. So I was comfortable there and I understood things and my mother lived there. She was there alone. And I, I know that she felt like a fish out of water, um, but she would go on and on and on and on about herself all the fucking time. And it was just... It was my I think like my mind would shut down and I would become numb instead of getting upset with her and then eventually toward the end of our because she she wound up meeting this guy who she married and so when she met him of course we didn't see each other very often after that which was fine with me because there was this one time we went to this bar and she got so drunk it was like two o'clock in the morning And they were calling for last call. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And it was, I don't know if you know where the Mirabelle restaurant was on um, Sunset. Yeah. So it's Red Rock. We went to Red Rock. That's where Mirabelle used to be. So, Mm -hmm. which was one of my favorite all-time fucking restaurants. I loved that place. But anyway, so uh, we were sitting there on the stools at Red Rock and I go up to the bathroom and I come down and the lights are now on and she's literally lying on the floor. And I had told the bartender because she kept asking for more drinks and I whispered to him and I said, I don't give a shit if you charge her, but please just give her water. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think he was continuing on giving her alcohol, you know, he was giving her alcohol. And so she was on the floor and I had to get her to stand up and walk her at, as the bars are releasing people. So of course Mm -hmm. the cops are everywhere. I'm walking up sunset Boulevard with her jello legs And everyone's laughing and they're all making vomit jokes because it was clear that she was just completely smashed. And Mm. so, I don't know. I was really – I was afraid that I was going to fall and that the cops were going to come get us. I was just Mm -hmm. so terrified. And so, I got us back to the car and it was her car. And so, I drove us home. I mean, I had out – Alcohol that night, but I I didn't get drunk like that. So I don't know if I was really legally drunk. I hope I wasn't because I stopped driving after a while. Like if I had any alcohol, I wouldn't drive. But at this point I was. So um I got her home and I couldn't get her up. She was dead weight. And I went in to talk to her roommate and I was like, You have to help me. And she's like, fuck no. I'm not helping you because she gets drunk all the fucking time and I come home and the front door is open and her dog is drinking her fucking vodka out of the, you know, and her dog is drunk. And I'm like, seriously, we cannot leave her in the car all night. So Mm -hmm. I made, I made her roommate go out and we brought her inside and the next day I called her up and I'm like, do you know what happened? And she's like, no. And I said, well, you got so drunk that you fell on your face. I said, some guy could have fucking picked you up and taken you home and raped you and killed you. And, and I started lecturing her and she got really upset with me. And I said, well, I don't want to go out with you if you're going to get drunk like that again, because that was fucking horrible for me. I thought I was going to go to jail. And mm-hmm. she got so defensive, which I can understand. You know, I know why she got defensive because she was embarrassed and mm-hmm. she was a bulimarexic alcoholic. And I mean, right. when you went into her bathroom, you smelled it and you saw it. It was all it was all over the toilet. It was disgusting. And, you yeah, know, the
1: lemics never clean up after themselves. It means acknowledging what they're doing. So,
0: right. It, oh, my God, it was bad. And you could literally smell it. And I mean, mm-hmm. I felt so bad for her. Um, it's like you said, it's like, can you imagine being her? No, I can't. I can't imagine. I'm an, I'm an insecure woman in a lot of ways. I, I'm like, I have, I'm half confident, I'm half really fucking confident and half really fucking insecure. And she was like maybe three quarters insecure. It was so sad. And I've never, you know, I mean, and that's, you know, going back to all the things that we're talking about, whether it's Cuomo or, or any of these men, they see women like her. And they, uh, women like her are the first they prey on because she's sure. weak and, and they know instinctively, they can feel coming off of women like that. I can, I can get her for whatever well, and this It's also
1: are. the value that we're given by society. You yes. know, the fact is none of this, all of this is tied into everything that women have to deal with. You know, the fact that, you know, there's a pay gap, the fact mm-hmm. that there's, you know, the fact that we still, uh, that, Women, women in co-educational situations, boys will be called on before the girls. Mm-hmm. You know, boys will be uh, boost, boosted in an academic situation, whereas girls will be just in, you know, subliminally tamped down. Yeah. You know, my daughter um, works in IT at a company uh, that uh, at a at a uh, it's like a telemarketing uh, equipment type company. They they do equipment for telemarketers. She makes a decent living she's been there for a couple, couple of years. She, they just hired a guy in underneath her who's making $20,000 a year more than she is. Oh my God. And this is basically how, but this is not, that's not a new, I tell no, you this story. It's and it's frustrating, new. but it's not and the first time you've ever heard the story. No, She's expected to train somebody mm-hmm. who's making $20,000 a year more than she <sighs> is.
0: fucking believable
1: And- They her supervisor left and she was the next logical choice to be promoted. But they brought somebody in from the outside that. Oh, my God. That happened
0: to my mom. Yeah. My mom basically was fired and then was told to train the guy that she was firing. Mm -hmm. And then when my mom said no, they're like, what? And she's like, fuck, no. (laughs) But I got to give it to my mom because my mom literally did quit over when she worked for a car dealership and she was so fed up. She couldn't find anybody to quit to. She just quit over the announcement system, you know, like over the microphone to the whole fucking dealership. I love your mom. I love your mom so
1: much.
0: Oh my God, so do I. But I guess we should we should start wrapping this up because it's coming up on two hours and I could still probably talk to you for another two hours. But um. I know, I kind of
1: forgot we weren't on the phone and I, I actually rinsed out the cat dish while we were on. I'm so sorry if the water was running.
0: I apologize, people. Well, this is a casual show so we like cats and we don't mind anything having cat-related you know, activities on the, on the show. Um, so, okay, basically, I know that I have always said or I've been saying that, you know, you and I will probably do another show before uh, the end of this month for patrons only. Um, mm-hmm. But then I was thinking too, maybe what we can do is pre record because I've, I'm going to pre record shows when, when I go stay with my mom. And I really don't know how long. Like, I look at the last time I stayed with her, I got there on a Friday night or maybe a Thursday night, and then on Friday, she had the operation, and then it was just over two weeks that Sunday uh, that mm-hmm. I went home. So this time, her operation is on a Monday, so I don't know if it'll be a Sunday that I get home, and I obviously do shows on my so. Since you and I are clearly good at talking about things that aren't necessarily timely in the news today, you know, I think maybe we can set up a, a conversation that we can have for everybody uh, while... I'm helping my mom. And then I don't have to worry about it because it's like, it's, it's, it's so stressful, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. even when she's feeling better, I'm not in my own space and Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just, it's a stressful situation. So just wanted to put that out there, something for you to think about. I would love that. And then I'll definitely uh, be in touch and we'll do another patrons only show a little later this month. Okay. Okay. All right. Well then um, I'm just going to put for, for anybody who listens on Stitcher and everything, what is your, What is your Twitter?
1: You can find me at at Amanda So. Amanda S.O.
0: Okay, perfect. And then I'm at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. You can also find my books, which I would highly recommend. Check them out on Amazon. I've got Peyton's Choice, American Woman, The Virgin Diaries, and Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak. If you like any of my books, please review them. Thank you, Amanda. It was so awesome talking to you. I will talk to you next time. Okay. Take care.